today is Pentecost. Today is Acts 2. It is not the end of something. Today is the beginning of something that God has in store. And I want to talk to you today about what this day is about and why it is so important. Now, the vision for Pentecost is cast deep in the heart of the Old Testament. And I'd like to show you, it's going to come from a place uh, that I think for many of us is our favorite book in the Bible, probably where we spend most of our devotional time. It's cast at Leviticus, okay? Uh, Chapter, (laughs) yeah, 23. And here's what it says in Leviticus 23, all right? It says, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So what Leviticus Leviticus commanded the Jews of old to do was from the day that they brought the sheaf of the wave offering, which makes you go, of course, if you're paying attention, um, when was that? I'll kind of cut through it and just make this easy and say it was Easter Sunday, all right? It's the first day after the Sabbath that follows Passover, which happens to be Easter, all right? So from Easter Sunday, count off seven Sabbaths or seven full weeks, And for that reason, throughout Jewish history, they would call this holiday the Feast of Weeks. You see where it comes from. And on the day following that seventh Sabbath, Jews from all over were commanded to come back to Jerusalem, to come back and bring an offering, specifically to present an offering of new grain, Not any grain, but new grain to the Lord. Now, what is going on? To get a cap, to to capture what this day is about, you have to capture um, what it's like to live not in agrarian northern Midwest where it's winter for nine months of the year. You have to capture Middle Eastern planting cycles. Here in the Midwest, how do we do it if you farm? Well, we go to the store, but if you farm, right? How do we do it? You plant in the spring, it grows through the summer, you harvest in the fall, you go inside for the winter, right? Repeat the following June. All right. In the Middle East, it doesn't get that cold. It doesn't snow, unless you're up on mountaintops somewhere, which means that in the Middle East, they have not one, but two harvests per year. One in the spring, right around this time, right around 50 days after, well, that first wave offering. And then a bigger harvest later in the fall. And so what would happen on this day called Pentecost, which by the way, Pentecost, are you catching it? 50? Penta, like five? Penta, like pentagon, pentagram, pentacle, pentapede? You know, I don't know. Um, Conta is like how you make it 50, so Pentecanta, Pentecost, you hear it there, 50, 50 day, got it, all right. Right about this time, 50 days after, 
the first harvest, the smaller harvest, the new harvest would begin. And this was a harvest festival. Because what it was about was the people of God coming to Jerusalem, bringing an offering of the first bit of the harvest that God had given them, the first fruit of their labors, the first little piece. And it was a way of saying, God, thank you. God, we we recognize that you've given us all of this. But it was something more than that. It was also a prayer. It was a prayer of hope and yearning because a greater harvest was still yet to come. So as you would come and offer this offering, it was not only a way of saying thank you, it was also a way of saying, and God, we pray and we hope and we ask your blessing that the bigger harvest that is supposed to come will be protected and that it will actually be delivered come the fall feast. And so people from all over Jerusalem would bring their offerings. And it says specifically an offering of new grain, a a wave offering of sorts, right? Now, whenever I hear wave offering, you hear this in the Old Testament, I always get in my mind like sporting events, right? You know, where like people, you ever been in the round and it just keeps going? I don't think we've ever worshipped God here with the wave before, have we? Um, we have? Oh, well, we're going to do it again anyway, all right? So, you know, you know, we know how to do the wave, right? Okay, we want to start here, go this way, and then come back. Let's just kind of give a wave offering, right? Ready? Boom. I got to say, from my vantage point, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) That's not what they would do, at least that we think, in Jerusalem. But what they would do, and what most people think who study this, is they would wave it like this. Now watch closely. Did you catch it? Ooh. Ooh. What was God up to back then? And it was a harvest festival to celebrate a harvest that had just begun in the hopes of a greater harvest to come. Are you seeing where this is going? Pentecost was something more. It was something more because over time, the early Jews attached another celebration onto it as well. This one finds its roots in Exodus. Now just listen as I read this. In Exodus 19, the people of Israel have just come out of Egypt, have just passed through the Red Sea, have just witnessed the power and the majesty of a God who rescues and saves, and they go off into the wilderness towards a promised land. And on the way, they stop at a mountain called Sinai. And here's what Exodus 19 says. In the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt... On the very day, the first day, they came to the desert of Sinai. Now, some of you are sitting there who are mathematically minded going, well, that's 60 days, isn't it? Yeah, I know it's 60 days, and Jesus wasn't born on December 25th either, all right? It's close enough. (laughs) 
And so the Jews simultaneously would celebrate that this was also the day to remember and commemorate that this is the day that God has chosen us as his people, that God has rescued us and redeemed us. This is the day that God has entered into a new and special covenant with us. This is the day that God laid out the stipulations of what it means to be his people. Now, significant for Pentecost, and specifically for Acts chapter 2, is what happens at Sinai. Now, we know the Ten Commandments, right? But if you read the story, what you find out is that when the Israelites came and they saw the mountain and they saw the power of God descending on the mountain with fire and violent wind and hurricane force vibrations of earthquakes in the ground, they were terrified. And you know what they said? We're not going up there. We're not going up there. Mo- Moses, hey, you, Moses, you know God well. Why don't you go up there for us? We'll, we'll, we'll listen to you. We'll take your word for it. We'll, we'll do what you say. And God accepts it. So shortly after they arrive at Sinai, the Israelites gather around its base while Moses goes up on the mountain. And within the shortest period of time, chaos breaks loose. Moses has been up on the mountain for a long time. It's been nine hours now. What do we do? I know. Let's make golden gods. Let's fashion things of our own image to form because that's the natural thing you do when you're waiting, right? And chaos breaks loose. Loose. It specifically says this. After Moses came down, he saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron, Moses' brother, um, and right-hand man, had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. Now, I'm constantly trying here at FOF to, to find ways to help you visualize what these scenes and moments in the Bible would be like. And uh, I've got a clip I've got to show you from Mean Girls because this is just where my mind goes. Um, when I think of what was going on at Sinai, what I kind of think of is this. Now here's what we're going to do. Gonna... I'm quick. They've gone wild. The girls have gone wild. was full-tuned jungle madness. The Israelites had gone wild, and it was not going away. Now, significant for Acts 2 is what happens next. Because what it says is that Moses stood at the entrance to the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And the Levites, they rallied to him. 
And they said, this is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, each man strap a sword on his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. And it says that that horrible day that the Levites did as Moses commanded. And that day, about 3,000 people died. Now, if you look at the end of Acts chapter 2, something significant happens. After Peter starts describing to the people what's going on with the Spirit coming down, he warns them and pleads them, and do you hear the echo? Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about how many? Was God up to something in his storyline. It reminds me of what Paul says when he says, the letter kills. The law and the commands of God, they kill. But the Spirit, the Spirit brings life. And Acts 2 is a witness. And we're gathered here today because the law kills, but the Spirit brings life. And so, Israelites, from all over the known world, were gathered in Jerusalem to offer God the first fruits of a harvest, to pray up to God that the greater harvest, their salvation and sustenance by the food they needed would come, to remember the day that God had entered into relation with them at Sinai, And the Spirit comes down from heaven in a way like it came down on Sinai with wind and violence and the ground is shaking and it says flames no longer appeared on mountaintops because God came to take up roost somewhere else instead. That the fire of God began to appear on the people in whom he came to inhabit. And they were filled with miracles and awe. And they began to speak. And they began to speak words that the people could understand. And they began to speak words that said, the, sp- the, 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 the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. They began to speak words. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. They began to speak words. Repent. Believe, because there is still a God who saves. There is still a God who sees his people in Egypt. There is still a God who brings people through the Red Sea. There is still a God who does signs and miracles. There is still a God who loves the oppressed. And there is a God who wants to enter into relationship with you. So repent. Believe and pass through the new waters, not of the Red Sea, but a water of baptism and immerse yourself in the name of Christ because this is the God, Christ Jesus, who comes to save. And that is what today is about. Some are hearing this. They don't know what's going on. They're, 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 they're bewildered. They're amazed. They can't, they can't make heads or tails of it, but they know there's something there that they want. It's good. And others harden themselves. I mean, no other way to put it. They hardened themselves. And they scoffed and they wrote it off. 
Because it's easy to do that, isn't it? To write off what God is up to, be it still and subtle or the most dramatic of ways. They wrote it off and they said they must be drunk. It's too much wine. Wine taught them a new language. And this is what Peter says. He, write, he, he says, it says that he stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These men are drunk? Is you supposed, geez, guys, it's nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And he goes on to say this. It's the last days. This is the day that God has promised. This is the day we've been looking forward to. This is the day that has been echoing in the Old Testament since Leviticus. This is the day when God is letting it loose. He says, in the last days, God said, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old will dream dreams. Even on slaves, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And I'll show them wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord. And would you read this line with me? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because more than a harvest and more than a remembrance of what God did, Peter stood up and said, this is fulfillment. This is the real harvest. This is what God has always had in store, and it is not the end. It's just the beginning. A foretaste of a feast to come. The beginning of a harvest of such abundance that will go beyond your wildest hopes and dreams. It makes me think of something Jesus once said. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out work, workers into the harvest field. Do you know what it means that today is Pentecost? It means that the harvest has just begun. The fact that you are all here today is a sign that the first fruits have already been coming from the harvest field. But do you know what God says? There's a world out there that is ripe for harvest. And today is just the beginning. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And the time is limited because the harvest season only lasts so long. And then you read in Leviticus 23 that another feast will come, the Feast of Trumpets. And when the trumpet sounds, the harvest is complete. So don't delay, because there's a bumper crop that needs to be brought in, and it won't be without you. Believers, those of you here today 
who have repented and believed the good news. And those of you here today who are doing it even now, do you know what God promises? His spirit is yours. He takes up residence in you in a way more powerful than flames and smoke on Sinai. His spirit is yours, and guys, the spirit is on the move. What will be your wave offering when the trumpet sounds? What offering will you bring to the Lord on that day when the harvest is complete? What will you show him in its midst to go, Lord, for you? The Holy Spirit is yours. You know how I know? Let me ask. Let me find it. There it is. Look at it. Are you a son of someone? Are you a son? Yeah, about half of you. Okay? If not, are you a daughter? Then I'll pour out a spirit on you. I don't care how young you are. God's spirit is with you. I don't care how old you are. God's spirit is vibrant and alive and powerful in you. I don't care how poor you are, what a slave you've become. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and his spirit is on the move and it is in you. What will be your offering on that day? What will be your offering today? What portion of the harvest to show? Because guys, that, that is what Pentecost is all about. I want to invite you this morning to enter into a time of prayer with me. The band is going to come forward. And as they do, I want to invite you to rise, okay? And I want to describe what's going to happen to you. Let's rise. I want to take Jesus' words seriously. And it's really hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to do because when he says things like the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few, get out in the harvest. It's like, God, I don't know what to do. I've never held a scythe before. I can't tell a piece of grain from a weed. I'm afraid. It's hot out there. There's spiders and bugs. It's tough work. But I want to take Jesus' words seriously. And I know as a church we gather here and want to take his word seriously. So we're going to pray. We've done this before at FOF, but I want to introduce you to those of you who are new how this works. Rather than me pray on your behalf, we're going to invite each and every one of you as you desire to pray this morning out loud from your seats to just shout out a prayer. 
as we guide you here this morning because, guys, the spirit is not just on me or on them. It's raging through each of you. I want you to think this morning about someone that you want to see reached. Someone that you want God to reach. For discretion, please, just shout out their first name. So we invite you now. Let's come and let's take Jesus' word seriously about the harvest being plentiful and asking his spirit's presence. This moment we invite you. If there is a name of the harvest, shout it out to God today. There's areas of the world where darkness reigns. We'd like to invite you to pray again. This time, just shout out an area of the world that you want to see God impact. It can be as small as the bedroom in your home, to your school, to a nation across the sea. What has God laid on your heart? Offer it up to God today. We have some foreign missionaries here today. We have a missionary here today from Istanbul. We have a missionary here today from India. We have two former missionaries with us today from China. But do you know what Jesus says? Each of you are missionaries because the harvest is plentiful far and near. What do you need? What do you yearn for? What do you ask God for to do his work? Is it courage? Is it strength? Is it insight? What do you ask God for to do his work? I want to invite you to pray one final time. And ask God for that here today. Offer up a prayer of what you would like God to give you as you work in his harvest. Acts 2 concludes with an amazingly potent picture of what God formed among that community of believers that day. For 15 years, we've said that we at FOF want to be an Acts 2 church. I want to invite you this morning together to pray these words of Acts 2 with me. Lord, devote us to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Fill us with awe at the wonders and miraculous signs done by the apostles. Bring us together in common. May we sell our possessions and goods to help those in need. We will continue to meet, breaking bread in our homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts. Receive our praise, O God. 
May we enjoy the favor of all the people. Add to our number daily those who are being saved. Wanna be your hands and feet. Wanna be your voice every time I speak. Wanna run to the